You are now listening to the Rogue Social Worker Podcast. Hey guys, this is Kate. I'm driving to a house in uh, Wales, Massachusetts. I'm meeting with two buyers today. And I wanted to uh, give you an update and also uh, probably go on a rant for a little while because um, I, uh, I just listened to one of the latest uh, Gary V podcast episodes, as I do um, multiple times a week. And I get inspired to talk about certain things um, that I think aren't really talked about at all. Uh, in the field that I come from, which is human services and, you know, traditionally nonprofit models. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm going to meet a couple buyers. Um, they're going to be competing for this house. It's a fixer-upper. It needs a lot of work. Um, and I'm willing to negotiate, especially if I get uh, a good vibe and I can trust uh, the buyer who, uh, who lives in the house and, and works to get their credit repaired and uh, and can bring me the best deal. Uh, and I don't have to worry about whether they're gonna be doing what they say they're gonna do, uh, fixing the house up to the standard that a mortgage company will want uh, in order to give a loan. So um, that's that's what I'm doing now. I mean, it's not super exciting to me. This, this is kind of the, you know, the grunt work and the patience and um, you know, maybe, maybe neither of these will come through and I'll have to, you know, uh, start all over and, and hit up the next few buyers and, and put them through the, the system and, um, and narrow it down again. So anyway, but that, that's kind of the boring stuff to me. I mean, that's, that's what's needed to, to make the money. And I, I think the way it relates to the episode that I just heard, or at least the the last sort of talk that he just gave at the end of this last episode um, was somebody from a nonprofit organization stood up and asked him a question about basically how do you uh, how do you uh, get people get rich people to give you money and I don't even remember what it was for but how do you how do you uh, effectively beg for money basically how do you how do you convince people to give charitably and, you know, that's a really basic answer to that question is show them the ROI. Show them the dollar for dollar return on investment for their company and for a cause that they care about. So easy answer to a really easy question. You should know that. If you don't know that, you need to fucking learn it. Um, and and I think it, it makes me think about all the times that we wrote grants and we had meetings with rich white men or the meetings that I turned down with those rich white men um, because I really didn't want to convince them of anything. I know that these models work, uh, or at least the one that I believe in, and that's another thing he went over in this talk, Gary, um, was if you're not selling something that you 100% believe is going to work, you are wrong. And I think I think that's um, that's so key to what I'm doing and why I couldn't stay working at an agency that wasn't implementing their models properly, wasn't uh, making their money in an effective way, what wasn't spending their money efficiently. And when I don't 
when I go and outreach clients uh, or people on the street, you know, and try and convince them to trust me that the housing they're going into is safe and secure and uh, permanent and uh, that they're going to have furniture in their apartment and, and I'm going to help them to get clothes and, um, you know, silverware and food and all that stuff. And I really don't have time to do that unless I work myself to the bone. Um, you know, that return on investment is shit. And I'm basically lying to them because I know, I know that that system doesn't work. So there's, there's the first point is, you know, if you're working for an agency that doesn't fulfill its promises or doesn't work the way it's supposed to or doesn't work the best that it can and you are trying to convince whether it's a client, whether it's a client that you actually serve like somebody who's experiencing homelessness or you're trying to sell that to the rich white man with a lot of money on the table, um, you know, you're wrong. Like stop selling shit that you don't believe in. And so, and that's why I don't even bother uh, not that's I, I shouldn't say that's why I don't bother but it makes me so sick to my stomach to think about asking people to give money based on a quote-unquote charitable um, action that I'm taking what I'm doing is not charity what I consider what I'm doing is the anti-charity I refuse to ask anybody for money even alone even alone so I was, I was lucky enough to be hit by a car and, uh, on my bicycle a couple of years ago and was able to get a settlement. But um, you know, even, even before that money came in, I was saving and, and spending a lot of money on, um, on the business that I wanted to start. So I was saving on the, on the side of like, you know, I wasn't spending a lot of money on my personal needs. I was spending a lot of money on um, the real estate stuff and learning about it and experimenting with it and trying all different types and uh, and working with a business partner and basically paying for uh, a consultant to help uh, get me started. So, where am I? I guess what I'm saying is this is the anti-charity because I, I the my least favorite part of trying to run a human service agency and that's also why I call it a human service agency because I don't being a nonprofit what that says to me is you're begging somebody else for money you're not making your own money you're not creating opportunities for the people who don't have economic opportunities uh, instead you're you're basically being you know Robin Hood but not in a good way, you know. You're uh, you're you're now being taken. You know, you can be taken advantage of now by whoever is giving you money. You are at um, you are at their uh, mercy. If if they've given you a hundred thousand dollars or or five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, and they say jump, you have to say how high. And I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that not only for myself but more so for my clients because I'm not going to parade my clients around in front of these fucking dipshit uh, rich assholes and uh, you know say oh isn't this so so nice this this lovely woman who comes from a middle class family 
um, you know, she she had some hard times uh, come her way, and uh, and now because of your your uh, charitable donation, which you're also getting a tax write-off for, um, you know, saved her life basically. I don't, I don't believe that that is actually helping people, uh, parading them around, uh, like, like some kind of pet or, or, uh, museum art exhibit, you know? What I think is helping people is, is giving opportunity where there is, uh, very little opportunity right now. So, for example, I was supposed to pick up, um, a helper today somebody who is currently homeless. I think he got cold feet. I think this is a big change, but, but he's my first uh, possible uh, client to go into housing and, and to uh, work for me, and at least part-time, or uh, per diem, I guess as we call it in human services, um, and, and, uh, and move into this house and fix it up, and him and his girlfriend and his, uh, their two kids uh, would live there, and, um, but yeah, this, I'm creating an opportunity, and, you know, he, he may have gotten cold feet, he may have not shown up, uh, today, but, um, this is, this is kind of what I've had to, uh, I don't want to say struggle, but, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've kind of, had to uh, play with this a little bit in my mind, this idea of, okay, I'm going from uh, an extreme harm reduction model to now being an employer and dealing with, like, when these things happen, when people don't show up who live on the street or from couch to couch or uh, from shelter to shelter, a lot of times emergencies come up. And it, you know, 90% of the time, it ends up being something serious. And, like, for example, his girlfriend was texting me saying, this is unusual, I don't know where he is. So some people might say, oh, you know, this is, this is typical for somebody who's homeless, they don't want the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. I know that's not true. Um, and, and what I've sort of come to the conclusion about with this type of situation, because I knew it would come up, is that people would say, yes, yes, I'll show up, this is a... Uh, an amazing opportunity, thank you, and then when the day comes, something happens, and they're nowhere to be found, and kind of what my idea uh, ended up being around a situation like this is, I didn't go looking for him downtown where he, he might be, maybe he, you know, took off with somebody and uh, lost his bus pass, or something like that, um, but instead of chasing him down like I normally would in, in a typical outreach um, model where we're just doing everything we can to bring people in, um, he knows, he knows that whenever he's ready, um, he can come help me fix this house. I, I sign the paperwork uh, tomorrow morning. He knows whenever he wants to, he can come work on the house and move in and if it didn't work out today I'm not I didn't take offense to it I'm not getting upset about it or mad about it um, but we'll try again tomorrow um, and I'm not going to go out of my way to do it because at this point he's a potential employee um, so 
I'm not going to bend over backwards to try and hunt him down like I would a typical outreach client. Um, but whenever he's ready to show up, I'll take him, you know? And, um, and I have to be prepared for people not to show up and say, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this on my own. And I, I, honestly, I don't think it's any uh, that much different from any employee, whether they're homeless or not. People say they're going to do stuff, and sometimes they do it, and sometimes they don't. And I think it's particularly hard for somebody who doesn't have all their basic resources met, their basic needs met, like clothes and food and, you know, a place to shower and a place to sleep. So, uh, you know, with that in mind uh, and without being a, a pushover, without be overextending myself, because that's what I was doing at every job before, um, you know, I'm not going to overextend myself now. But uh, the opportunity is still there, and that's what I'm providing. Because the opportunity to work and to be in housing and to get all your basic needs met is so much more important than charity. It's an opportunity to step up and empower yourself. And, um, and that's where self-esteem comes from. You know, when I was getting sober, I, I loved the, uh, I connected with this saying very deeply is, uh, if you want self-esteem, you need to do esteemable acts. And I'm not saying that everybody is uh, inherently uh, lacks, you know, the, the will to, to uh, you know, step up and, and take care of themselves. But I think, especially when you've been Oppressed, you've been part of a population that's been uh, systematically and systemically oppressed. Uh, it's very easy to uh, buy into, unconsciously buy into learned helplessness. You know, I even see it with we, Olivia and I were talking the other day about uh, service providers and advocates who have this sort of learned helplessness, like we could never overcome public opinion. Um, because it's just not progressive enough. So why bother? Why bother advocating for something that sounds really radical? Um, because public opinion will never, will never buy into it and will embarrass ourselves. And this is learned helplessness. And, and so if you have advocates doing it, um, you know, you, you bet your ass uh, that the clients are doing it as well because they're told day in and day out that they're worthless, um, that they're not going to show up that, uh, you know, that this is it. If you don't, if you don't do this, then I, then you don't get that. This whole like, uh, ultimatum type of system that, I mean, all, all that does in many situations is it leaves people without their basic needs met. Um, I know that when I was growing up, I was so fortunate to be able to make mistakes and still have um, a home to, to go to, still have uh, parents who love me unconditionally, and I was able to make those mistakes and learn from them myself uh, without um, going into a spiral of, of helplessness and hopelessness, and uh, that's, that's what I want to cut off is that cycle. I want it to stop. So, for example, if this guy wanted to come work with me, 
uh, today, tomorrow, on the apartment that he was going to move into, if he calls me, you know, and I'm in the area, I'm going to pick him up. Because I know that even though he fucked up, he may have fucked up today. Maybe he made a bad decision. Maybe something uh, something awful happened. I don't know what happened. But he very well could have made a mistake or could have fucked up. And, um, you know, I fucked up many, many times. The difference between me and him is that he has no parents to go to. He has no family to come home to and say, Oh, Mom, Dad, I fucked up. And uh, I made these mistakes and I feel like shit about themselves. So he doesn't have that natural family to say, it's okay, we still love you, we all make mistakes, here's a bed, go to sleep, take a shower, take care of yourself, we're gonna get up and do it the next day. And that's what I wanna do. I don't, I don't want to uh, you know, beg from anybody. Uh, I, I don't... I don't want to be that typical, you know, nonprofit that that has to figure out where their next meal is coming from. Um, you know, we we live in a system where you have to make money to survive, and I really don't see how a nonprofit business is, is any different from a for-profit business, aside from being able to take donations that are tax write-offs. Um, all it does is set, it sets up a system where you have to rely on rich people or a ton of people in general uh, to hand over their money and get nothing hard in return, nothing physical in return, aside from a tax write-off. So what does that do? It just it just creates tax havens for the ultra-rich people who really don't know where their money is going, who really don't realize that the CEO is getting paid 10 times as much as the average employee. Um, and, and so it just creates this system of, you know, relying on people who don't really know what they're spending their money on or investing their money in. Uh, and, and you have to rely on them and then they give their money and then it doesn't get used properly. And it's just this vicious circle of, uh, let me see how far I can convince uh, people with money uh, that that we're doing something that they like. And if and if it doesn't jive with public opinion, if what I want to do, say for example, today people might not agree with me, uh, you know, going back and picking this kid up uh, and trying the next time. Whenever, whenever we figure out what happened to him today, why he didn't show up when I asked him to, when he said he would be there, some people might not agree with me doing that. And I'm not going to apologize for doing that. And that is exactly why I refuse to rely on anybody's dollar, uh, anybody else's dollar, um, who's going to judge uh, what kind of work I'm doing. I know this works. I know giving people opportunities works. I know that people make mistakes and I know that shit happens, especially when you have, you don't have all your basic needs met. So I, it's not my job to convince rich people, uh, of why this works. I know it works. I've seen it work. Um, and, and I, 
I refuse to live the kind of life where I am beholden to uh, rich white men who want to know what their return on investment is uh, when they really have no understanding of the clients that we serve and the kind of opportunities that I'm trying to provide. So that's, uh, that's my current thoughts on the situation. Um, hopefully that made sense and I should be to my first appointment of the day, this first buyer, in about 20 minutes or so. And uh, hopefully one of, these, one of these buyers comes through and we can make some money and, uh, and I can pay this kid to come help me fix this apartment and he can get his family off the street. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at and uh, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks, guys. As I perspire through my pigment, fire with cigarette, sire some newness, dire quarters, they dim lit, dim with sticking to rudeness, slim get sticking to coolness, brawling youthful get ruthless, foolish, so lend them toothless. I slide through, die when I'm lied to, lay down, been dead, no salute, no crowns, right? They yelling, hurry up and buy, open your mouth and shut your eyes, and no one even acts surprised no more. No more.org, so sore, no pores, enough to support what I need to flush. All we need is a rush, all we need is a touch, all we need is some weed, all we need is a push, all we need is a boost. Who can't handle the truth? All I need is these big black motherfucking boots. Young man is a gargoyle, get thrown off the building And for a while they all used to talk about building But then the star, he got fired from the building Then he went from strong buildings to bomb building I made my draw Cause he really used to get it, how he pushes to the limit of the kids vibe with it But you start Paralysis, averages made on the charts, have waned in the days Every will say, brother, you can fill song covers in a pencil, you get draw The well is dry, head is high for once until you try But you had no one tell you, buddy, you, you Cautionary tale, auctions every sale so they can shop Your remains still remain even when you're in a box Wait to see them at wax museums for photo ops No moss, no more, you were a whore for the props The lock's not off, it's still on You sing songs with the light and your mind's turned off The bird trust, rust never sleeps Why don't you just move on? I'm not moving, I'm not moving, I'm not moving, I'm To be honest, it's nice to be smart, but can you move an audience? Draw a crowd and paint a picture. The temple six under the weight of scripture. The false idols and fake honest. I admit I lost faith. 
No 